Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Welcome back to Boiling Point, Dave. We are back in the boiling voice booth. Yes. But thankfully, it's actually cool in here today. It is. Because Tim, our engineer, is making this voiceover booth cooler and cooler by the minute. So we, we're going to have to change the name of the we, podcast. I, we may, yeah. And like we've got stools that don't squeak. We've got water. We've got a table. I mean, this is like We just need a glass of scotch. And well, that may happen. That may happen. <laughs> so uh, one ironic thing is, you know, the um, the art of being a, a podcast host is you, you need to have a quality voice. Um, I lost my voice. It's gone. So, I think it sounds kind of good. It could be a raspy you yeah. know, radio, late night CBC. This is some jazz. <laughs> so uh, Dave... Want to explain a little bit about our next guest? He's yes. one of one of your friends and contacts. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guy. He's on the phone. He's going to listen to our little uh, intro here. His name's Yan Samard. Um, you know that contest that's going on CBC, like who is the smartest Canadian? Well, they have some deal where they couldn't include Yan because he'd win the whole thing. Okay, he's this brilliant guy. Dang. He's got this very very cool company called ZapTap. Um, I've been uh, you know hearing about it for a few years now, um, but I can't wait to. For you to meet him, to hear a little more about you know how the idea was spun to this company, um, what he's done with it, um, what it's like to be in a startup in a tech company. I mean, there's there's all this going on, and midstream he and I may go to French because uh, I, I'm I'm quite fluent in French as well. Parlez français. Oh, oui, oui. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, I also heard uh, Jan has a really cool. Uh, um, Founder, founder story as far as where the idea came from oh, when, when it came. I can't wait to ask him about that. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of a legend down this part of the world. So, <laughs> so let's, let's bring him in. Yan, are you there? I am there, and I'm still laughing that uh, you want to submit my name for the smartest Canadian thing. I, well, I was going to, but they said that I cannot include you because it wouldn't be fair. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, Yan is, is uh, and he, he's a very humble guy as well. Um, but So we, thank you for coming on uh, The Boiling Point with us, Yan. We're, we're totally happy to have you on, and um, we just want to have a little banter and ask some questions about uh, you and your company and how you got it going. And all that good stuff. Sound good? Sounds good, guys. And it's Thanks. good. To, it's good to uh, virtually meet you, Yan. I, I know we have met in person a few times, but uh, now our uh, our ears and uh, our, our mouths are meeting. That's oh, no. you know, no, I'm not even gonna go there. Uh, it's good to meet you through uh, through Skype, and uh, you are loud and clear in my headphones. Uh, Greg, I'm sorry, but uh, I remember you sounding different. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sounds much better now. Much better now. I'm a new man. So, so Yan, tell us a little bit about ZapTap. Like, uh, not not so much like what it is today and then then what we're going to do is if you're okay with it just kind of go back to you know where the idea was uh, born and all that kind of thing sure um well if i uh, try to cover quickly what we do so uh the service we offer at zaptop is that we allow brands uh retail brands essentially to create an experience around their products inside stores so that uh if a consumer shows up to a product that they like 
They can uh, access some product store in product experience that the brand put together for them using their, their smartphones. So the way it works is that they bring the smartphone to close to the product, and the smartphone is going to display the product information. Uh, so that is what, that's what we do in a nutshell, and uh, where we're different from uh, pretty much all the competitors on the market is that we have invested heavily into the platform that creates that experience so that we can create content very easily, but we can also track in real time a bunch of metrics as to what's going on inside the store. And we're also the uh, only company that can customize the experience based on who people are and uh, their past uh, shopping experience, as an example. So so that's that's a big differentiator, I understand, right? Yeah, well, we are essentially trying to leverage the data that we're gathering as people go and shop in retail stores in a, in a very privacy or respectful way. We're just trying to make uh, brands more aware of who are the people who are looking at their products and then allow them to act upon it and give people the right content that they're expecting in the right format. What a, uh, Jan, I find this is a very, <clears throat> very cool um, product because... One, you've got a, a customer-facing uh, innovation, uh, an, an experience platform, uh, if you will, for content. But really, the uh, the brilliance of this tool is is sharing data with the brand. And it, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to get back to where you came up with this whole concept a little bit later on in the discussion. But um, did you see this as uh, information using data and data mining for brands first, or did you see the customer-facing uh, content experience first? Uh, I saw the content experience first, but uh, I mean the the right the next logical step for me. I saw the data potential right away, and I mean we're talking about years uh, years ago. So I saw that eventually we'd be able to do something with the data to actually provide make the content better and make the experience better. So it kind of goes together, if you will. Yeah, and, and so 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 for so just to cover that again. So let's say I'm uh, I'm in a I'm in a store that has these tags, right? That come from Zaptop, and I I click on a certain product with my using my smartphone, right? Uh, I get information about the product, maybe maybe a video, some pricing, you know, just all the you know some so that helps me make a better, a more informed decision. And at the same time, the the customer or the um, the brand or the the retailer gets a little bit of information on me, so that it can send me you know um, promotions and that sort of thing that that are that f- that are what I'd be looking for is that is that it in a nutshell uh, yeah it's that, that's one good example Dave but uh, we can even go further than that uh, and I'll give a, an example of a, let, let's say uh, we are talking about uh, the GoPro camera so you know the camera that people use for stream sports and outdoor yep. activities in general I've lost many so of them can, you can uh, picture a, a scenario where you have a stand, a GoPro stand in a store, and when someone shows up, if we know that that person is into kayak, we may provide that person with a kayak kind of content experience. If someone else shows up at the same point and they're more into rock climbing, well, we'll give them the rock climbing content. Wow. So that's it's not necessarily um, always monetary, although we can definitely do that. We find that brands that have more sophisticated products, they tend to differentiate based on the quality of the experience and the content. So who, if you think of the brands you're working with, um, who can, like, who is the, uh, that you can share with us? Like, what's the, like, one of the coolest brands or something that you're just like, wow, I I can't believe that I actually, you know, that this company that I formed is actually working with this, this brand right now. 
Well, actually, there aren't many that I can share about. That's the big, the big problem because the way we do sales is that we typically go through an, a year of proof of concept and then we get into the large-scale deployment. So uh, let's just put it this way. We're working with uh, one of the largest auto manufacturers in the world, and uh, that happens to be uh, a company based in Germany. <laughs> huh. Is that and, uh, yeah. <laughs> So, so we're, we're just about to uh, proceed to a very large-scale deployment with them. So in, in about two months' time, I'll be able to make that uh, public. Oh, wow. Okay, very cool. So so you're at that stage where you're – so how, how old is AppTap right now, Yan? Uh, well, I incorporated a company in 2010, uh, but we started for real in 2011 with me leaving the full-time job I had before and getting some uh, angel investment. And I, you know what, uh, Yen, that's the part of the story that I'm interested in. <clears throat> you know, founder stories, origin stories, uh, aha moments when something came to your head and you're like, I've got a business opportunity here. Uh, let's go back there a little bit. You know, when did this idea come to you? How did you, uh, you know, get to a place where you thought maybe this is something we can turn into a business? Well, uh, the idea came to me the first time, I think it was eight or nine years ago. So I don't remember the exact date. Uh, at the time, I was doing research uh, for uh, the, uh, the provincial government and the New Brunswick Community College, but also working with the National Research Council. And the research was around uh, e-learning in general and how we can uh, tie knowledge about different products to the product itself instead of storing it somewhere else. So I was working on those concepts. So we have to remember at the time, the best mobile device was the black and white BlackBerry. So uh, there just wasn't any mass market device that could provide a good experience. And I kind of forgot about that whole concept and that whole idea. And it came back to me uh, uh, on the um, morning of January 2010. I woke up literally one morning with a headache and, a, and an idea. Uh, how, I, where, where did the headache come from? Uh, no, no good reason, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to know what party you were at the night before the headache happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so whatever, whatever stimulated something stimulated probably the night before. But you woke up. Sorry, we cut you off. And you get this. And so, for some reason, that and you remember that day precisely. That's fascinating, right? Well, so January tenth. I remember the headache, but not the reason of the headache. So, sorry about that, guys. So I woke up that morning and uh, big headache, you know, that kind of morning where you have trouble getting out of bed. Oh, yeah. And uh, I thought for some reason that whole that that old idea of mine came back and I thought, geez, with the phones we have today and the smartphones we have, I can actually make this happen. And uh, what I did uh, is that over the, the following two days, I basically designed what the Zaptop platform is today at a, at a very high level, obviously. Incredible. Uh, but still, the uh, all the components were there at, the, at that point. So I convinced myself that technically it was doable. Uh, and then I started to check around if, to see if other people had done something of the kind. And uh, nobody had come even close to the extent of what I had in mind back then. So... Um, and that's when I started to uh, try and uh, convince myself that there was some money to be made out of it. So I built a business plan, talked to a lot of people, uh, and uh, I was doing it nights and weekends, as you can imagine. So uh, I got to a point uh, a bit later where, when I thought, well, uh, geez, I have to do it. I have to make this happen. So I, the first year, I, I used my own money to, uh, to hire a computer science student 
to do some very early proof of concepts for me. And uh, all the crazy stuff that we did back then, it was unbelievable. Uh, and we, we got to a point in 2011 where uh, we, uh, we, we got awarded the second place at the NBI Breakthrough Awards. And uh, also uh, we got some uh, angel investment money coming in at the same time. So that's when I took the plunge and I left a full-time job I had. Incredible, incredible. Now, um, I, I, I think the neat thing about this story <clears throat> for anybody listening uh, who does not have a business but has great ideas is um, you wake up in the morning with a headache. You've got a cool idea for a product or service. Many of us think it's probably already been done or it's going to be far too much work to make this happen. And the idea just kind of fizzles away. What is it about you and a handful of other entrepreneurs in the world that don't take that attitude and actually open up the doors and explore the opportunities? What do you think it is about your own personality and that, that, uh, that, that let you see the opportunity? Yeah, good question. I think I've, um, I've always been trying to uh, make a difference. So I don't like just go to work and collect my paycheck and that's it. And uh, I had good paying jobs in the past where I didn't feel I had any chance whatsoever to make a difference. So when that idea came to me and uh, I, I realized that there was some real potential, uh, it just stuck with me. And I, in, in a way, it's, it's kind of a curse because some people can just brush those things away. But me, I just couldn't. I had to make it happen. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a strength. I think it's a, probably weakness of some kind. <laughs> well, you know, it's the same weakness that many entrepreneurs have, and I, I wouldn't call it a weakness at all. <laughs> what do you when you now as you look? Um, I, you know, we never know what we're getting into, right? When it begins, and I'm guessing the same as as the, in this case, Yan. Um, so, if you as you look over the last few years, what have you found? most rewarding and what have you found most challenging or surprising yeah what what's most rewarding is each time you uh you see the the aha moment talking to someone and they get what you're doing they think it matters and they decide that they want to support you and uh, that person can take many shapes and forms it can be a client can be an investor it can be an employee can be a partner uh, each time it happens, it's really rewarding. And the more people you have to support you, the easier it is to get more people around you as well. So that's very rewarding. The challenging part is that, uh, well, as we all know, it's a roller coaster ride. So it's not uh, it's not steady growth. It's, uh, it's It tends to be a very chaotic path, uh, especially if you're trying to do something that matters. So uh, negotiating with the, the low moments uh, can be... Uh, can, can be challenging, it can be a lonely place as well. And uh, we need to negotiate with both the good and the bad. So trying to keep uh, some equanimity and trying to stay, stay in the middle, that's where uh, that's where the challenge is, I guess. Do you have any advice for you know other new entrepreneurs who are facing that? Because you know Dave and I have been in business for over a decade now and uh, uh, I think that's the case, Dave. <laughs> anyway, those ups and downs, at the beginning, where you don't expect them. You know, when the ups come, you're, you're celebrating. But when those downs happen and you don't have any money and everybody's uh, coming down on you and you don't think there's going to be a tomorrow. Oh, and you start questioning yourself yeah, and your confidence, confidence starts, yeah. starts, you know, start doubt, that self-doubt creeps in. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I'd just like to hear your perspective, yeah, because you're, as far as I know, you were leaving, um, you know, a lifetime of good careers with good paychecks. 
to enter into the entrepreneurial world probably for the first time, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, so what, what did you learn about, you know, experiencing that and getting through it? And what can you share? Well, uh, you have to remember that the reason, one of the reasons why I left is that I was, I was bored as hell with what I was doing, although I was doing good. So uh, with the ups and downs, I'm not bored. There's not a boring day. It doesn't exist. If my day is boring, it's because I make it boring. So uh, I guess that through the ups and downs, there is one thing we, uh, we all have as entrepreneurs is control over what's going on to a certain extent. So um, I think it's always wise when you, you go through those uh, self uh, moments of self-doubt and that which are healthy in my mind. We have to remember to, that we have control over some things and some things are outside of our control. And our job is to do the best with what we can control. So I'm not sure if it answers your question, but that's probably one of the things I have learned through all those uh, ups and downs is that uh, we, we have our destiny in our hands and some stuff will happen. We need luck to be successful. I think any entrepreneur will say that as well. But uh, luck is, uh, and good luck and bad luck are both very unreliable business strategies. So eventually it evens out. Um, so when, when, you know, one of the things that I've learned um, through just watching some, some tech startups closely is, um, so, so Greg and I would have a certain perspective on, uh, on starting a business, right? Um, you know, we're more, kind of more service-based. We, we create some products, that sort of thing, Greg. Uh, I know they're in different sectors and that sort of thing. But, um, but tech startups, as I've observed, and I haven't been in it, is even a greater degree, in my opinion, of... Um, of, I guess you just have to stomach for it. I mean, there's a lot more volatile, right? So, Yan, like, tell, like, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, like the the space you're in, in terms of, I mean, it, you know, one week everything can be flying well, as I understand it. The next week it could feel like everything's going to hell. I mean, it's so volatile, the whole sector, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, I think what uh, differentiates a startup from a more traditional kind of business is the speed at which things go. So you can success and make significant amount of money quick. And you can also fail and lose a significant amount of money very quick as well. So it's a condensed kind of experience. So the intensity level is probably uh, bigger when so humans re react to, uh, to, changes in, to changes in general, right? So the changes are very abrupt and very rapid in the st startup environment. And that's why it's harder on the stomach. Now, uh, more traditional businesses have the same challenges. It's just that the lows are longer and the highs are longer as well. So uh, I'm not sure if I if I were to choose again, maybe I'd choose a traditional business setting. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that'll be the next one. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the next one, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is interesting because uh, the word startup is, is, is such a... Uh, you know, it's a buzzword these days. <clears throat> it's it's very hot. It's very sexy to be in the startup world right now. It's uh, it's, yeah. the, it's the new rock star. When do you stop being a startup? <clears throat> and and I'm asking that to you specifically. When is ZapTap not going to be a startup anymore? And what is your plan? Like, is uh, you know, many startups. The goal is to uh, eventually sell to a larger firm and, uh, you know, and then start something new uh, because a lot of entrepreneurs are, are truly starters. Uh, 
other people uh, want to see the the company grow and expand and then you know dominate the universe <laughs> you know so maybe yeah, hear a little bit about what you see for the future and uh, you know uh, how long is uh, Zaptop going to be a startup well I, I wish I had a very clear answer to that question but I'll give you my best guess <laughs> so uh, I think that uh, over the over the following 12 months uh, we'll probably uh, cross the threshold and for me uh, a startup s- stops to be a startup the day it has very predictable uh, recurring revenue and uh, doesn't rely as heavily I guess on venture capital funding to uh, for, for to fuel its growth so I think that we're probably within 12 months of achieving that uh, that being said uh, it's not impossible that it doesn't happen so that um, that's what that's where we are and I'd like to come back maybe to the uh, to start the startup life being perceived as a life, uh, a star lifestyle kind of thing. I find it, it's, it's actually very true and uh, it's so far from the truth. It's, uh, it's not even funny. Oh man. So go deep in that one. I, I think that's a really good point. So, so the perception yeah. that it's like a rock star life doll is true, but the reality isn't is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So it's perceived as cool. You, you can, uh, you can go to work and, uh, and flip flops and all, if you want, like Zuckerberg did and all those things. That's true because you're on your you're, you're your own boss. Um, the uh, and startup entrepreneurs, the uh, the look at people that, that uh, are going to start more traditional businesses. Like let's say I'm in two T, for example, and I start a tea shop. They will call it a, a lifestyle business. That is such bullshit because that person's making a living. The lifestyle the lifestyle uh, entrepreneur is much more the startup guy. That wants to hang out with the cool people in Silicon Valley and wear flip flops and um, and uh, you know do a beer pong on the Friday afternoon. That for me is more lifestyle entrepreneur than the guy with the tea shop. You know what I mean? So, and uh, the sexiness factor. If if that's the main reason why you're in business, the first time you're gonna have a hard time, you'll just quit because you won't think it's cool anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, so what is the what is the end goal? Like, or what do you see as the future for Zaptop? Like, where would you you know five years from now, what would you like to see happen? Yeah, I think that uh, we'll uh, we'll probably get acquired uh, at one point in time, and uh, it's it's. Uh, I mean, we we could also become the biggest company in the sector, but if I look at in terms of probability, I think. The likeliness is that we're going to get acquired. And the reason why is that uh, retail is a huge ecosystem in itself. And uh, we cover a small portion of it. I think we cover it well. Uh, but to really make sense and really change the way retail is consumed uh, globally, we need to, uh, to have all the, uh, the components of the ecosystem within one integrated system. And I think that one of those large integrators will eventually just uh, acquire us. Mm. So you're so and it was that is that something I mean, when you started, did, you know, you talk about what, writing that business plan. Did it have that the the idea of being acquired in play or is that something you've learned or it's evolved or like how did uh, how, where did you come to that? How did you come to that? Well, I, I always started a business with the idea of, of solving a problem and making things better. So uh, there, there were a bunch of drivers that I had personally to make that happen. And one of them is that. I, it's a foolish thought that I have maybe, but I think that if we give people the right information at the right time in the right format, they're going to make smarter retail decisions. So, and that in terms of sustainability, I think for me, it's going to make a difference eventually. And foolish, uh, my foolish thought 
keeps going these days. I still think that people can sometimes, you know, choose a slightly more expensive product that is going to last twice a lifetime as opposed to the cheapest one. So uh, I think it's it's going to help the world uh, eventually on the long run. So that was that was the problem and the so and the solution I was trying to bring to it. Um, if I come back to you um, to your question now, did I plan an exit? I, I always thought if I make a if I build a very successful company, we'll have exit options. And uh, I always thought if I I should focus on building building the best company I can. And uh, I know that eventually I'll need to give my investors some exit of some kind, but then we'll we'll pick and choose what makes the most sense with where we are. And I think that investors. Uh, tend to not ask for an exit strategy as, as much as they used to a few years back. And I, I talked to some of the most sophisticated ones in the world, and uh, the uh, that's not something they ask anymore as much as, as they used to, for sure. Okay, interesting. So listen, I got a, um, another question for you. I mean, it's around you being, you know, what I, well, clearly a visionary, right? Um, and... Um, and I'm going to integrate this into some stuff I've been reading from Daniel Goleman, who's done a lot of work with emotional intelligence. He talks about um, the most, it's, uh, it's the hidden driver of excellence. And he talks about focus, um, the ability to focus being so important, right? So, so as I'm thinking of you, Yan, um, I'm thinking you got this clear focus, but you obviously probably have new ideas every day right of things that you would like to see in you know happen and so how do you uh if that's the case how do you manage these new ideas and not let them divert your focus from what you're doing right now because this clearly requires a lot of focus yeah that's a good question so unfortunately dave i don't have new ideas every day but uh, <laughs> come on Sometimes I have small ideas that we can implement at ZapTap. So I, I think that the vast majority of the ideas I have are there because that's where I spend my time. But I do get, uh, you know, the idea here and there that would probably deserve more of my attention. But I try to remember what I'm trying to achieve as an entrepreneur and as a person. And I also remember on a daily basis that I have a fiduciary responsibility to my investors as well. So my number one job is to make ZapTap successful. And uh, if I make that happen, guess what? I may end up eventually working on a new idea later on, and that's fine. So you just put, maybe I'll have some money to put behind it. <laughs> right. I was going to say you put them in the parking lot for, if if yeah. they're coming up. Good for you. A um, couple of questions, and we're gonna we're gonna sign off. Tell me about like um, you're in New Brunswick. You're not from New Brunswick. You and I are both from away, right? C CFAs come from away. Um, what? And I have my own unique experience of being in New Brunswick, and you know, Greg being a New Brunswicker, um, would we'll, have a different experience but um but you know we're here for a reason we're, we're doing business in new brunswick for a reason what you know i what what are the reasons for you being in new brunswick and what have you noticed about the support you've got um being in in the startup space so uh that's a great question dave uh i'm i'm not in new brunswick by design uh i i was married to new brunswicker when we moved here and uh, we divorced here as well and i just happened to have the idea in new brunswick so where New Brunswick is very unique and is that when I got that idea that I said that in 2010 and I realized, geez, Jan, you need to raise money. There's something in there. I had no contacts whatsoever and no network whatsoever. So you know what I did? Uh, I went on Google and I Googled investment in New Brunswick and I ended up uh, on the uh, New Brunswick Innovation Foundation website. So... 
I called uh, I, I called uh, NBIF and uh, I got on the call with Nicole LeBlanc on, on that day and uh, we agreed to meet in person a few days later. So there, that in itself is quite telling. And then Nicole said, uh, you know what, Jan, I think, uh, well, you're obviously too early for us. <laughs> no, no kidding, I had nothing. Uh, but she said, there's a guy in St. John who likes to invest into uh, those very early ideas and maybe you should go for a coffee with them. And she uh, she she made an intro for me uh, to Jerry Bond. So uh, Jerry and I met two weeks after that, and that's how things got started. Wow. There's, and, there's and, so many stories uh, in, in Atlanta, Canada, with Jerry at the top yeah. of the pyramid. Yeah, but, but and the fact that he got, you got a meeting so quickly with him, right, is amazing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and, and following that, I mean, uh, the... Uh, when you talk to uh, to investor, you invest. He typically brings along some few some friends. So that happened for me. Uh, I also uh, was lucky enough to be accepted in the, uh, the Wallace McKinney Institute uh, ELP program, and uh, that just exploded my network even more. So I consider myself very well connected for a newcomer. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I've been failing at uh, getting out to the social uh, experiences at Wallace McCain, but uh, uh, the three of us share that experience. And uh, <clears throat> for those people out of New Brunswick that don't know what this is, it's, it's essentially a, uh, a network incubator of sorts of entrepreneurs. And we all get together on a, on a monthly basis uh, and help each other grow each other's businesses. It's very, very cool. So listen, I've got one last question for you, Jan. Um, <clears throat> out of all the interesting places you've been trying to grow this business in the world, what's, what's your favorite? And g- give us a little, uh, a little adventure story of trying to grow this business internationally. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think I like the European market a lot in the sense that they are... Um, they don't play poker as much as uh, as the American contacts we have, as, as, as an example. So they come to you if they're excited, they're going to tell you, and uh, they, uh, they're not shy to do it. When we talk to uh, Americans, they tend to be more, um, more poker-faced, more business-like. So I like uh, the European market a lot, and especially uh, the UK market. That's When I have a chance to have a talk with those people, I, I typically have a good time. So best place? Yeah, yeah. Which way? Which way? London. Yeah, yeah. London and UK and Europe is in general is good. Okay, so you've been bouncing <laughs> around because you've had some cool trips, as I understand, right? Yeah, well, uh, once in a while, but I'd say uh, most of the time we do pretty much all the communications through Skype and email and phone and uh, go to meeting and those things. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're so it's not that exciting. He's <laughs> home back. He's home back. Uh, um, well, hey, listen, yeah, this is very, I mean, so cool for people to hear about just, you know, what, what it takes to, 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 to go from an idea um, to actually a full-blown business, you know, um, and, uh, and, 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 and actually disrupt you know, the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and I think I know what it takes, Dave. I, what's that? You need to not know what you're heading for, otherwise you wouldn't do it. <laughs> I love it. That's so true. I love it. That's, I, I think that that's great. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, and what uh, Dave and I do is we'll we'll say goodbye to you, and then we're going to keep uh, doing a little bit of a recap, uh, a lessons learned, if you will, uh, about the conversation. But is there anything, uh, any contacts that you want to share with our uh, listening audience, like your website, uh, Twitter, anything else that you want people to uh, to subscribe to to follow what ZapTap is up to? Uh, sure. The, the, the website is zaptap.com. So Z-A-P-T-A-P. Uh, the Twitter handle is at uh, zaptap360. 
all in uh, without space. And uh, that's it, I think. Awesome. Thanks so much for uh, for coming into the Boiling Point with us, uh, Jan. It's a real pleasure, man. Thanks to you guys. I had a great time. Au revoir, mon ami. Okay, bye. Okay, see, see you, Jan. That was, that was good. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> One of the interesting things uh, that, that was uh, interesting to me was at the end talking about focus, Yeah. Uh, which um, I, I made a note of Mark Fawcett. You know Mark? No. So Mark Fawcett is a, uh, he's a New Brunswicker okay. from Rossay, yeah. uh, professional snowboarder, Olympian. And uh, many years ago, <clears throat> I remember him as a kid, and uh, he, he was he was on track to be a pro snowboarder right from the beginning. But he was also an amazing windsurfer, incredible skateboarder. Like everything he did was at a super high level. Right. I remember uh, my brother asked him, he was like, well, why, why are you still windsurfing? Because he could have been pro right, right, with that. Right. And he said to be the best in the world at, at something, you have to get rid of all those other uh, things that you love, right, which right, right. sadly becomes distractions yeah, because yeah. we only have so much time in our yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when, you saw, when we were talking about ideas, um, how many great ideas do these entrepreneurs have right. that never become materialized because of the focus? Right. So it's critical. Right. Stick, stay on point, right. stay focused. But, you know, a wealth of great ideas come out of the brains of some of these people. Well, and, and it makes you wonder, like, so a guy like Ian, if once he does exit or he moves on or whatever happens, he gets some space, you just you just know he's going to grab onto another big idea, right? Um, and, uh, but, you know, but that's what it takes. And I guess, you know, maybe that's the case. It's unfortunate in some ways, right? Um, but I, I just love how, I mean, I, you know, we didn't really get into it that deeply, but I'll tell you, the guy, he's going for it. I mean, he has put everything into it. This isn't just about, you know, this is this fun thing I'll work towards, you know, using other people's money. I mean, he is 100% invested, 110% And, and invested. international brands, like yeah. the, the big boys he's working exactly. with. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that all started, you know, whatever that date was when he woke up with a, a bit of a headache and uh, this this idea. And then actually just, can you imagine, like in the next two days, sketches this out, this whole platform out, and then, um, you know, <laughs> you know, then starts deciding, is it, does the research can actually so that's the other piece right so it's a it's a big idea but having the discipline not only to focus but having the discipline to actually go and the rigor to go through and determine is there a real business here right where like I, I don't know about you but I would I kind of would say intuitively it feels like it um, but, but do I do the research to actually figure mm-hmm. it out right so it's just a very different approach and, and the other part um, <clears throat> that I mentioned earlier about um, the, the lack of self-confidence we have in our ideas, like, yeah. oh, someone else has probably already done it, right. or <clears throat> that's going to be way too difficult, or I don't have the network. I'm actually talking out of experience right now. So, you know, there's so many great ideas that I've had for building my film company. Right. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, I'm not in Los Angeles right now. I'm not in Toronto. I don't have that network. Right. Well, that's baloney. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, and and he proves it. Right. You know, he just he sketched it out and did a little bit of research saying there is a place in the market right. for this, right, right. and he could be the best in the world. That's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a flat world, man. It is a flat and world. You did what? Your voice sounds good. You're here. Welcome to Nightline CBC. Coming up, Duke Ellingwood. Is you, that good? Oh yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't leave me here, though. Don't leave me. Oh, is that Tim? That's good. Is that good? Okay, Tim's a jazz guy, our our, our audio oh, engineer. Yeah. Get, so, oh yeah, oh, yeah. He's, he's smoking cigarettes. It's uh, out there, and uh, yeah, he's, he's wearing one of those little beat beanies, and he's got a little. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so who do we got coming up next? Um. Jeez, that, that, that's a good question. We, you know what we did have? <laughs> the mayor oh, of the Renaissance right. City, I know. Mel Norton, and he bailed on us. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. So, like, so Maramel Norton is gone. Yeah, we're going to invite him for a well, future supposedly podcast. Supposedly, he's got some some. It's about the city hall burning like, down right on. now. I mean, he can do it with us. <laughs> it's David, Greg. Anyway, thank you for uh, tuning in to the Boiling Point. Make sure you check out our Facebook page. Also, our Twitter is Boiling Point Pod, uh, and uh, and then our website is boilingpointpodcast.com we say it at the same time do you know why because Matt Weber our producer is in our ears as well and he's yeah. in Halifax sitting uh, there uh, right now so every question that comes out of Dave and I's uh, mouth is actually queued up we by sh- Matt we have to yes we have to give Matt <laughs> Matt's got, got got some good credit here so uh, thanks to Tim our engineer and thanks to Matt for uh, for, for producing this and, and researching it and Dave thank you and uh, uh, I can't believe I'm, I'm still talking this might work for me this is good man I'll just keep staying up late and drinking more scotch and I'll, I'll be right. able to keep this voice. All right, let's rock and roll. Tune it out. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, Visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.